Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today, kicking off our annual fall spooktacular, we are going to be talking about The Stepford Wives, which is Ira Levine's 1972 novel about robots with big boobs. (laughs) They sure do have them and they bring them up a lot. So as a quick note, it's been a few weeks since our last episode and yeah, we're on to our Halloween episodes before we get to Clitel. Normal has been insane for us recently, but we have the Stepford Wise today. We are going to do the body for next week. And if the Wheel of Fortune lands correctly, we'll have the monk for you after that, which is crazy and gothic and wonderful. And then we'll have some great non-Halloween stuff in the second half of our season. Of course, Herman Melville comes back. He's The show could be called Better Melville Than Dead. <laughs> yeah. And um, should be. And, but Richard Wright. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair enough. Remember our stickers and buttons promo, of course. Write us a review or the nice tweet or whatever, and then send us a screenshot to betterredpodcast at gmail.com along with a mailing address, and we will send you our rad swag stickers and buttons, rock the book jerk button or your Frankenstein large adult son button, and then tell someone you like them more than Trotsky. Those heart-shaped stickers are very cute. (laughs) Okay, kicking off, Why the Stepford Wives, which was my pick. Just as an anecdote, some months ago, I had a conversation uh, with a woman who I don't know very well. So, (laughs) relevant, her husband works in tech, and she... (laughs) takes care of their child. She told me that because she doesn't have a wage job, I have to take care of both of them. And for a second, I thought, oh, she has two kids. Like, I I didn't know that. I thought she only had the one. And no, she actually meant that she has to take care of her partner like he is a little baby. And and not in a sex way, I assume. No, not. I mean, that's, she didn't tell me that. <laughs> and, and, and and we live in a, a, a radical, uh, you know, city as, as well. Um, not, I mean, that's a, a bit of an over overdone narrative. Uh, but not in like fucking Westchester County or anything. You know? No, we didn't. We don't live in the burbs. When, yeah. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. And like, okay, to clarify, I really don't give a shit like how a person spends their days or be it like waged work or home care like that is not the liberal feminist thing that i'm trying to argue about. i'm not like go get a job that's awesome like whatever <laughs> but it was at that moment that i decided that we have not had the discussion we need to be having about abolishing husbands <laughs> <laughs> and i don't mean dudes only yeah. mask people or opposite gender partnerships or same gender partnerships. I mean the owner class mm-hmm. that is husbands. And I'm so sorry, Tristan. No, but I, I mean I'm not I'm not here to defend any of this. <laughs> speak, I, Tristan, speak for husbands. Defend yeah. husbands. Like, do, you, do you guys ever notice how women are like this and men are like this? Oh, let's <laughs> let's get those jokes going, right? Um, yeah, right. You know, I, in my my Austin class, actually, I just talked about Raymond Williams' dominant uh, residual and emergent, and residual was I like the, the the example I used was marriage that like it it originates in this 
highly patriarchal property relationship, but you know, it's a still form that hangs around. But I, I mean, I think that works as an example, but like maybe like residual isn't quite the way to talk about some of those those aspects. I mean, know? it's so, but it's like also so dark the moment yeah. you start thinking about it for like more than 45 seconds, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean this formally. I don't mean like every what it's well, not all dudes. I just mean like <laughs> the class that is husbands. <laughs> Abolition yeah. now. Yeah, no, I, I I I agree. As the as the as the dude here, I I, I agree. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the dude and to be fair, husband, someone's yeah. husband. Yeah, it's husband. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, well, there's a husband in my apartment right now. Yeah. yeah. I, well, get him out of there. Some of my best friends are husbands. (laughs) Most, a large number of my best friends are husbands, actually. Anyway, and that's like one of the best things about Ira Levine is the way he is mad at absolutely ordinary bullshit social categories. Husbands, clubs, all those sort of things, but not friendship. I think that's worth noting. Mm -hmm. I love this book for a lot of reasons, of course, but the just withering acidic critique that Levine lobs at the bourgeois family Mm. always hits hard and for me is really satisfying both structurally and generically. I also think there are like I have read this twice before and I still laugh out loud at certain moments in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like when Bobby brings up like, have you seen the boobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's yeah, yeah. Well, and even like the we'll get into like differences between the film maybe a bit, but like in the film when uh when uh when Walter goes to the men's club meeting for the first time, he comes and the film I think is wonderful. Like this is not a knock on the film, but he comes like he he comes like she finds him like crying downstairs. It's trying to give a little bit of emotional depth, right? And in the novel, he she wakes up because he's jerking off in bed, which is like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's dis- but it's also like, okay, this is this is operating at a def- different register than the, right. the, the, the the film is, you know. And, and I also this, yeah. do not find him likable. Like as soon as the movie starts, he's not likable, and I think that's actually an important quality of the book. That it's I agree. like I any agree. husband. All husbands, all husbands are bastards. No, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, and but but again, and I do think just like kind of conceptually as well that the humor satire works very much with the horror to build its kind yes. of political critiques. Yes. Anyway, so this is one of those books that I tell people to read like all the time, especially to see some of the ways that horror's generic conventions can pose really important structural questions. And and we've talked about this with science fiction. And I'm sure people who know anything about fantasy could, <laughs> could, could give an account of this. The only g- generic field I know anything about is horror. But they can give really important space for critique or question. There are lots of books, but the movies that I tell people to watch are The Purge, Get Out, which we'll talk about, Night of the Living Dead, Blood Quantum, and on and on. And of course, literally anything by Bong Joon-ho. Like, yep. watch yep. The Host, watch <laughs> Snowpiercer, watch the absolute beautiful movie that is Parasite. Oh, yeah. And just go, watch Korean horror movies for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's why I wanted to read it, because it is good, and I thought you guys would love it. And you yeah, were right. Thank you. <laughs> Holy shit! I just realized that the acronym is not is for all husbands or bastards is Ahab. Hey, there you go. There you go. Hey. This is good. 
Okay, Stepford Wives. I'm going to take us back to one of the most devastating twists in recent film history, which is when British secret agent Vanessa Kensington broke Austin Powers' heart by being a robot. (laughs) And also her boobs were guns and she tried to murder him, which probably didn't feel great. But fortunately for him... The remainder of 1997's Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, involves him healing with the help of a woman, not a robot, named Felicity Shagwell. <laughs> yeah, baby. Somebody had to do it. Pussy galore was already taken. I it was already taken. But you know what wasn't taken? Ivana Humpalot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the, the, yeah. like, Jesus Christ, like Austin Powers is really like only 2% removed from actual Bond films, Absolutely. you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, no, barely. But yeah, so you can't ascribe it only to the fact that the late 90s were weird. Um, but <laughs> anyway, what this novel's doing is similar in the sense that it imagines what if all wives had robot boobs, but there weren't guns in the boobs. Mm-hmm. There was just more robot in there. And and kind of wives were a combination of fleshlights and Roombas. Um, <laughs> yeah. And laundry. Yeah. And they have a little they have a little laundry port in their tummy. <laughs> oh, that's that's cute. A Can, little bit. You know, efficiency, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Synergy, efficiency, all of it. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, so I wanted to read this because um, Rosemary's Baby was great. Tristan will bring this up uh, also. And the book really keeps things sort of fun and frothy, which is effective in making the scary parts more sort of surreal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think is something cool about this this book that I, this, I think is true about Rosemary's Baby, but that was possibly less noticeable. And this book is, is truly to me much like one that we've talked about before and i hope we do uh jane austen's northanger abbey the gothic satire yeah yeah yeah. and again we've spoiled the spoiler here but i'll spoil it again um there's a whole thing about secret papers in that in a dresser in that book and the heroine finds them and she's expecting this big huge letter about how a sad creepy old guy did a murder in his misspent (laughs) youth before his balls dangled past his knees (laughs) but it's actually a laundry list Uh the the paper is a laundry list which is the thing you should actually be scared of is having a laundry list i'm I'm about to teach northanger abbey again and i fucking love that scene i'm so happy for your students really like that sounds awesome Oh, they're going to have so much fun. But in, in addition to that, this also kind of goes really, it pairs well. It's a nice fruity aroma or whatever. It, it slushes it in the wine glass with a contemporary self-help discourse. So it's like about doing the secret on your husband, which <laughs> practically means that you behave like he's a big dick dreamboat or you know, <clears throat> like it, whatever thing appeals to you. But not literally, but actually do what you want to because you're a grown up. But even even so, even if he's a loser who makes the bathroom smell like a barnyard (laughs) in your mind, he's supposed to be, I I don't know, fucking Cary Grant or whatever. In the book, she says they clean like they're going to get a million dollars in Paul Newman. (laughs) yeah 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 and i was like that reference is surprisingly still like paul newman's dead but like still hot yeah Yeah. still known from the salad dressing yeah 
but yeah, much to discuss, and I am excited to do so. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad we got to revisit. This was a great way to kick off the, the spooky season. So thank mm-hmm. you, Meg. Yeah, no, thank you. This this was this was a ton of fun, and uh, and also yeah, really just fascinating and uh, great politics. Yeah, like like Katie said, I've I've wanted to read more Levine since uh, since Megan had us read Rosemary's Baby way back in our first season, and this episode got me to read not only the famous novel but also finally watch the maybe even more famous 1975 film version with mm-hmm. Catherine Ross. Uh, my wife has been telling me for years how great that movie is, uh, which I very much believed was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got to see that. But but horror um, and I don't know, maybe we call this more of a thriller, uh, probably. But, you know, it's 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 funny as hell and satirical as all good humor is. I don't know. It just takes me a little while to warm up to, to horror. Um, I, I come from farm folk and we take the devil very seriously. You have to see The Witch, the Robert Eggers movie, if you haven't seen it. Well, that's, that don't sound uh, <laughs> that sounds very get terrified. It's no, um, it, it's just it's just because I'm a wuss. That's that's why uh, <laughs> horror uh, takes me a lot of warm up to. But I I wanted to see uh, both the movie and read this awesome novel. Um, I knew Jordan Peele had cited the Stepford Wives as one of the inspirations for Get Out, which is another fantastic, highly political horror film that I'm get, glad I got passed by uh, squeamishness or whatever for the genre to to watch. The and uh, you know, speaking of which, when Bradley went for deliver that line about uh, which uh, Bradley Whitford apparently didn't know that this was a sick burn because he ultra lib, but about uh, <laughs> I would have voted for Obama a third time if I if uh, if I could have like that again <laughs> is like horror and like satire comedy working so closely together. So I I totally get why you know Peel looks to the Stepford Wives as, as an inspiration. He also um, had some tweet that implied that the parasite in the movie Parasite is the poor the poor yes, people. Yes, yes, yeah, I know. It's like it's like Jordan Peele was trolling the yeah. real life Bradley Whitford by casting. Him he, he, he like it's it's so you know, speaking of of movies with like beautiful politics, yeah. like yeah. how much could you possibly fuck the word up? Yeah. Par- par- parasite. I know. Rich like, people. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, hey, and Chrissy I, Teigen loved it. <laughs> I feel like people got that movie wrong. Yeah, uh, they did. They did. Yeah, but uh, anyway, also, but Bradley Whitford, please stop sending me DNC emails. It's like you're at whatever. Uh, send, <laughs> but, send them to me. The West Wing music swells in my <laughs> inbox every time Bradley sends me a message. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I'm hang um, myself. I'm so glad I'm not on that mailing list. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you get enough texts from Bernie, who I like, yeah. without that horseshit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, this novel absolutely slaps. Uh, for one thing, it's super fucked up and and it and scary as hell in a lot of parts. But but again, also extremely funny, funnier than the film, which I think tends to play the horror bit a, a little more straight. And 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 funny to really important political effects. You know, patriarchy is both yes horror, but it's also totally risible. And this book dunks on it really hard, which is great. Much like with Rosemary's Baby, I also appreciated the way in which the real demon is something like broad social structures or ideology. Like yeah. Uh, the villains are these ultra pathetic mad scientist guys uh, who are like rejected extras in a clair- hair club for men commercial. <laughs> but but really, the villain is patriarchy misogyny. Like that's the yeah. that's the, the monster under the bed. Another cool villain, suburbia, uh, which having spent a good chunk of my twenties yeah. uh, doing laps around the state of New Jersey as a reporter or taking the Long Island Railroad out to see friends on Long Island. Um, yes, yeah, Stepford Wives nails it. So. <laughs> <laughs> And even what was that 30 years after? 
Yeah, yeah. Almost exactly. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It would have been about, yeah, 30 years past the, the action of the book, yeah. Oh my God. That, that's only two years in suburbs years. Yeah, that's different true. Different from dog years. Yeah, that's true. Not, it's not much. Different in paint colors. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you might, you, the, the fast food restaurants might, you might get a Chipotle. You know, that was a big deal. Oh, true. <laughs> I watched the movie this weekend on Tubi, and the first commercial break had an Applebee's commercial and three <laughs> detergent commercials. Three. Yeah. What else do you need? That sounds like a good time. Yeah. I was Applebee's like, in three different kinds perhaps of Perhaps this this movie has not landed with the audience that yeah. it's supposed to. Anyway, so today we are talking about patriarchy. This idea of the bourgeois or bourgeoisification and alterity, meaning race, gender, ethnicity. We're talking about space in the suburbs and we're talking about this uh, genre. So horror, satire, maybe thriller, like one of those. All of them. So in as a summary, and I, this is longer than I thought it would be, but the book is incredibly tight. And so a lot happens in a really short book. The Harper that I read, which is like, no, it doesn't have a movie tie-in, which I don't like that, is like 120 pages. Mm. You can easily read it in one sitting. And I have to reiterate how much horror fiction and cinema depends on certain structural setups and payoffs in its conventions and how good, uniquely good, Levine is at these. And mm -hmm. I think that's probably not just content-wise, but structurally what Peel also feels inspired by, because yeah. I think that movie also really has beautiful setups and deliveries in terms mm -hmm. of its horror. Yeah, I totally agree. Anyway, so Joanna and Walter Eberhardt moved to Stepford, Connecticut with their two kids kim and pete who actually seem like pretty cool little kids and they like yell diarrhea at each other in the back seat because like they're just normal kids which i find quite charming so in the very first scene joanna is approached by the welcome wagon lady which joanna clearly also finds like laughable because they're moving yeah. from new york yeah so she says tell me about yourself and she says She's talking to her. And, uh, Walter is this big time lawyer dork whose hobby, <laughs> I swear to God, direct quotation, is collecting early American legal documents. That's quite a hobby. That is yeah. dork shit 101. It's like, the thing is, that's not that far removed from shit I would do. But even I have to be like, that's, that's weird. You know, like, that's <laughs> dorky. Like, like it's it's kind of comfortably dorky, you know. It's like not it's not weird. I mean, it's no, a it's not. Weird. Yeah, yeah. It's it, but right. But it's it's the it, it's it's as benign as stab collecting and even more totally. Boring. Yeah, yeah. And Joanna is a liberal feminist of a recognizable form, and she's also a semi-professional photographer. And to me, this is important. What she enjoys isn't professionalization or a white-collar job, but an artistic pursuit. So later when we talk about Fredan, I will sort of note like the women in this book are not actually looking for wage work. They're they're looking for things like friendship and space for artistic pursuits. Right. I, I one thing I was thinking, the sort of the class position is super important to the kind of critique because you know if you're not looking at this like fairly rarefied but i mean you know they're all they're like all lawyers and like executives and stuff like that um you know this is right at the moment when like the kind of fordist model is beginning to yeah. collapse so even more like 
like if this were kind of a more lower middle class uh, or like a Levittown or something like that, this sort of the pressures of the collapse of like Fordism and like emerging totally. kind of neoliberalism would have already made like the one, the, the, the single income house, like an impossibility. Whereas like at this level and even, you know, continuing much on um, into the present, like, yeah, again, and my point is just that like the specific class form uh, is very central to like how gender works in the space of this, this novel, which the novel knows. I mean, that's part of that's that's very much part of its critique oh yeah it's embedded in a very particular kind of like white collar bourgeois structure that yeah that is particular to i don't mean the new york suburbs but like there's no no version of the middle class as it emerged sort of at the mid-century right like with those social programs Right, right 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 so right so he collects legal documents fine and she likes taking pictures, but she's actually quite good and she enjoys it. So that's important. Mm-hmm. She also meets a neighbor, Carol, who they kind of share a, they don't share a backyard because that would be too crunchy, but they have an adjoining property. And Carol waxes her floors at 10 p.m. like an absolute psychopath. Has she gotten some Adderall? <laughs> I feel like, also, I can't, I'm like, how do you wax the floor? Like, I, I know you do do that, yeah. but I've never done it in my whole life. Also, I just, like, this This is a very madman suburb, so, like, amphetamines yeah. is part of that culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, she definitely uh, gets some, like, nice benzos at the end of the novel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so her husband Walter is invited to the local men's association. There aren't any women's groups, which seems a little weird, but she doesn't give it too much thought at this point. But the men's association immediately seems super shady. He goes to a meeting and comes home. Tristan, you alluded to this, like super horny and and jerking off in their bed, and then they just have like great sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but and, and she and she's like, well, you could have woken me up. And he's like, oh, I mean, it's it is it's just it it's both an icky scene, but also like very yes, funny totally. too. You know, like, and it's such like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, two, and she thought know? he was gonna come home like <laughs> super s- sloppy drunk. He's not. Yeah, he's just yeah. like yeah, super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horny yeah. turned on by hanging out with a bunch of other uh, middle aged dudes. Yeah, yeah. watching it is filthy. They're not stag films with the boys. <laughs> stag, stag films, yeah, films. stag films. That's what they were. Yeah, it is hilarious that somebody would just be just simply jacking off beside you, and you would say, "Hey, why don't can't coach put me in the game? Put me in the game." Like that's her complaint, <laughs> you know. She's like, hey, I'm into that. You could have just given me a poke in the back. (laughs) So, you know, men's associations are good for the old bedtime times. But but that's why it's funny. It's like it's like a it's a a, a sort of a, a you know come on move. Uh, but like that it that it actually it works even though it like it True. Works, you know anyway. Whatever. That a version of that scene uh, happens in um, American Beauty, which now I'm like, there's yeah. got to be some connection there, but haven't yeah, that's right. yeah. devoted yeah. any energy yeah. to yeah. it. But you know, thank fortune, Joanna gets a phone call from a woman who has seen seen her info in the the little new and noteworthy section of the local paper because the wagon lady writes it and bobby is that beloved trope of the mid-century and beyond american novel the wisecracking jewish best friend with a big dump truck ass (laughs) and under no circumstances do i relate ever 
she she's got a she the only thing bigger than her dumper is her personality you know it's true she's genuinely <laughs> funny though i really like her she is no she, yeah she is great she's great and she's great the the in the, in the movie too um they, they they do great things with that character no uh, but you said like when we were <laughs> joking about that um i i pointed out that the uh the, the robots they all have big boobs and no no asses like it says that <laughs> and, and and like yeah it is that is definitely marking her as like not one of them and you know? that she like tell she says like oh it's a her her, her last name is a f- not a fake name but a massaged yes. into a more it, gentile sounding name yeah ex- exactly so it's so i mean my my joke was that it's uh yeah this is the night this is the the uh the moment that uh sir mix had to write the protest song yes. about but like <laughs> i think you i think you are right that there's also some some definite kind of like um just, well just yeah like i mean a, a certain waspiness exactly. that is like being and um yeah, exactly. oh god damn and i will note that before say 1960 something she was just like a normal brunette wisecracking best friend as we see in uh gentlemen prefer blondes mm-hmm. um there's a fo- there's there's a form of her for a while but she's like she becomes like a you know a jewish girl at a certain point and and from there on it's just all good <laughs> we're a funny people anyway so bobby comes over to joanna's new house they're just gonna have a cup of coffee and she's delighted that it's just like normal like i don't think their house is gross or anything it's just not sanitized like a christian mom influencer (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and so she and joanna decide that they want to have a women's group and maybe eventually a chapter of now which is both like oh liberal cringe and also very 1972 (laughs) oh yeah well, they so the references to the women's lib movement as well yeah. that were very, very much in in, in that uh, that phase. Absolutely, of that. It, so, it is truly maximum seventies. Oh my god, oh, yeah. it's totally yeah. self historicizing. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> in the movie, they actually call it a consciousness raising group, which is first of all a quite different thing than like a politically like a organization about voting or whatever, but. <laughs> The two of them go around to all the other moms' houses to see if they'll like join up in their enterprise, and every single one is like, "I'm too busy. I have to clean stuff," <laughs> and I assume they're too busy posting and you know doing their hair in barrel curls while wearing tasteful pink lip gloss and a Chanel bag. Yes. <laughs> Except Charmaine is the only one who's kind of like, well, I, I politics are dumb, but also all these other women freak me out. So she's like, a let's, big let's and brassy right. lady. I actually don't talk about her in the summary, but she's the she's the the first of their tiny group of friends to be reanimated, as it were. So Walter starts to get to know the association members, which hereafter will be known as the ass men for <laughs> irony's sake and also no, no ass men, no ass men <laughs> yeah. um so he asked joanna to just sort of like you know help out with this with serving drinks but he's also like trying to help her get a leg up and you know you be there to be smart darling and the boys will see that all women are dummies because walter is not yet completely taken in by the sex bot cult (laughs) and she meets a lot of guys who all do vaguely tech bro stuff including the extremely sinister diz koba who (laughs) used to work on i swear to god the lifelike robots at disneyland which is one of the many small and 
brilliant jokes that Levine yeah. makes here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. And his 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 real name is Dale, which of course this dipshit's name is Dale. Yeah, and, yeah. but also like Dale like, Carnegie. Yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, jo- Joanna's like, oh yeah, she's like, that's that's a really stupid nickname. Where did you get that? He's like, well, it's because I used to work at Disneyland. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but I yeah. mean. So it's one that's hilarious, but also you're right. Like the 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 Hall of Presidents at Disneyland is one of the most fucked up things that exist. Absolutely, <laughs> and like so much tech pro shit, it's like technology that with with I mean either no purpose or just entirely nefarious purposes. Behind totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's like. Again, I just think that's why Levine is so good is because he gets these little moments in there that you're like, yeah. ah, yeah. Disney. Like, what could be more yeah. samifying than robots from Disneyland? The kids were excited. They met Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> uh, yes. that Yes, they apparently were. They are smart kids. They know. They can tell a robot from a person. <laughs> Well, apparently it's not that easy. Well, it is. What's also funny is how patently abs- how bad those animatronics yes. are. Yes, even at the time, right? You know, it's yeah. Oh, uh, uh, now then that it could slide so easily into everyday life is like it's honestly like why this doesn't actually count as science fiction because it's just like one tiny little tweak that. Yeah. makes it line up with his his presumption that's like not yeah. actually the future yeah, yeah <laughs> really yeah, yeah and it's like this is the part where joanna finds some old newspapers in their basement and she learns that there actually had been a women's club in stepford until like seven ish years ago and in fact betty for dan spoke and yes, we around these parts are not fans of betty for dan but i'm honestly not sure the book is valorizing her either not yeah and the woman in charge of the group was Dale Coba's own wife, who is now the peak Stepford bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> and Joanna, of course, tells Bobby about this, who is similarly like, what the hell, man? Like, just disappeared. That's weird. And Bobby and Joanna are both going increasingly weirded out about the women in, in Stepford. And I will sort of note here that this is a theme that Levine brings up quite quite often, which is the moment where and this happens obvious like more even more obviously in Rosemary's Baby which is like where women or a woman begin to feel like there's something seriously wrong but their first impulse is actually to be quite clear-headed about it right it's like yeah. oh i'll just go i'll check yeah. in with a doctor or i'll you know yeah. i'll reevaluate whether it's just me who's bothered by this change of lifestyle like they actually act mm-hmm. in a way that i think most of us would yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. I think also it's the way that you behave when you don't really, they don't really, she doesn't really believe what she's saying, even though she's scared. She still right. has some sense of separation from it, or that even at the, you, you'll get to this, but like the, the at the climactic moment, she's like, this isn't happening. Totally. Yeah. And that happens in Rosemary's Baby. And like, it actually something I think I've thought about a lot, which is this like the really sort of conscientious woman protagonist in The Exorcist, right? Like the mother in that really does sort of check all her boxes. Like she sees a doctor, she sees a psychiatrist, she talks to like she really goes through every institutionally vetted possibility before she sees a fucking exorcist. Which is exactly yeah. the opposite of what you should do if you need an exorcist, which is like the funny part of the whole 
Totally, you know. <laughs> right, right. right, but she she behaves in a way that has some like mimetic tethering to the world. I'm obviously it's like that's also a horror movie, but and he does that in fucking Get Out. He's like, I'm actually going to sort of pursue this in a fairly logical way, right? Which is something I love in a horror movie where they're not like, it's the escape mental patient, run up the stairs, run down the stairs, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so Bobby is worried about chemical pollutants in the water supply, which. <laughs> Saying it right now sounds like some QAnon shit. Yeah, it in the well, book it doesn't it is, though. No, and it's also that's another like self historicizing like around mm-hmm. the moment of the Clean Water Act, which I, I mean, hey, look, we 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 are routinely like poisoning towns, uh, uh, you know, with lead and, uh, and, and water supplies right now. But like that, that is a bit that like of like liberal. Uh, concerns of the 1970s i feel like oh there's something in the water is 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 definitely and, and yeah you're right now it does have a kind of QAnon <laughs> feel but certainly not in the in, in the in, in the world of this novel well and she's read like completely legitimate news stories about it having happened in other places oh yeah yeah like yeah, not yeah. she's not on facebook being like the water supply is point like no this this has like a legitimate yeah. seeming element especially because like the industries that the men are involved in, things like tech, are explicitly described as polluting. Yeah. It's another sort of critique that's more subtle here is the the um, anti-environmental destruction angle. Yeah, yeah. The, no, it's in sure. the air, it's in the water of it all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's in the movie Teeth, which is another excellent horror movie if you want a vagina dentata movie. And everybody does. <laughs> and who doesn't? Um, so Bobby decides that she and her family are going to move and she immediately starts looking for a house in a neighboring town um, which also seemed waspy but not like (laughs) robots Um, Mm -hmm. and in the meantime Joanna is also growing suspicious of some of the no ass men's behavior (laughs) you know Levine as usual does does a great job of it being framed by them in a very benign seeming way one of them comes over because of like this is such a stupid conceit but whatever an apparent interest in regional accents and (laughs) he asks uh, Joanna we know that Bobby has already done this he asked her to read literally thousands of words into a tape recorder like not yeah. the whole alphabet, but like a lot of dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> which that Walter's like, oh, that you know, it's a <laughs> that's just a small face. It's like I would murder before I would do that for someone. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's another one of those moments where, like, right, she's like, <laughs> no. am I being paranoid? No, like I can't. Yeah, yeah. This no. seems weird, but how weird could it be? No. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even though it's crazy fucking weird and also like there's this really it's only funny if you read it or watch the movie a second time which is that when she and bobby are going around to talk to the other women they say something like don't you find this club archaic and it's clear that the woman has never said the word before right yeah. right and it's like oh because it wasn't yeah. in her yeah, list yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and so there's they keep talking about moving although joanna seems more ambivalent than Bobby. And then this moment is sort of a, a bit of a turning point when she meets this woman called Ruthann Hendry at the library. Mm-hmm. And Ruthann has these sort of markers of, of cultural capital or whatever. She's checking out an Iris Murdoch book, which is very like, oh, it's supposed to tell us something about your interest in philosophical novels. <laughs> and she's also a children's book author. 
and she's black and understandably we get some moments where it's clear that she's being attuned to how and whether racism's effect will play out in Stepford. And Ruthann becomes the most recent transplant to Stepford. So we're all concerned as readers about when, you know, the clock starts on the sort of transformative process of Stepfordization. Yeah, and and I I do think that that you know well so right I mean the the racial politics of the suburbs are extremely fucked up from from the begin I mean why suburbs exist in a lot of cases <laughs> right. is, yeah. is racism you know there this you know at this moment too added bullshit with like the you know the anti busing stuff mm-hmm. thanks to Biden <laughs> but you know but like there but also I think it's the welcome wagon lady that she like tries to feel Joanna out like how do you feel about a black family moving in and Joanna's like it's it's She's fine like, like, and, and the, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, the, the lady's like, oh, yeah, I think it's great, too. So it is, it's like the way, so it, it's basically like like white patriarchal capital, sort of like figuring out exactly how much kind of like diversity it can sort of incorporate yeah. while still maintaining its kind of hegemonic control. And so it does, it's like doing this calibration that it's like, hmm, maybe one black family would, uh, you know, would, 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 would be good, but would not un- upset any of the other like shit that's, that's happening. Um, you, you know, right. Um, it can it, accommodate again, I mean, it, a small number and yes, nonetheless. It's like, it's exactly. Yep. Yeah, right. It's it's trying to figure out like what it, what it can localize and still like not feel threatened by. You There's know? this funny moment earlier on where they're talking about setting up a manger scene, and somebody's <laughs> like, "Maybe we should have Hanukkah lights." And I was like, "What the fuck are Hanukkah lights?" <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, are they talking about like yeah, string right. lights with menorahs on? Like, what the fuck are like? What are you talking about? Like, were they just gonna light a big menorah? I guess. Yeah. What do you use is the a, shamash? You use a gigantic fucking candle? Like, none of this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but it is yeah. very sort of like, yeah. oh, liberals. <laughs> it is. Okay. Yeah. So this is what's interesting, too, is like that jo- Joanna also is, I think, trying to instrumentalize the black family, you know? Yes. Is, yeah. Is say, yeah. like, oh, I think it would be good for the kids to have, like, basically, it'd be good for the kids to have a black friend. So it's like, she's she's yeah. implicated in the larger like in the larger object of satire she's not she's just oh, yeah. outside yes. it in any way yeah yeah i mean she has, i'm not saying she stands outside it she gives us a different oh, no, no, point yeah. of view but yeah. she does like yeah. yes but there is a moment where she like actually does a sort of good job of being like uh i don't want to be overly friendly because i don't want to do that like white woman nonsense she doesn't want to do like white liberal patronizing like she wants to and it's and it's like kind of it's it's, it's sort of like ask like asked herself that question you and know? when she gets um, to is like just be a normal fucking person which like to her yes. credit yes is kind of yeah a relief for us as readers no totally. yes no totally i mean it's like i think like joanna is is, is a very sympathetic protagonist and, and and but like yeah she is also obviously subject to like some of the same structures and pressures but she just she does a like noticeably better job of resisting them than a lot, but she's still, there are definitely moments where she's the target of the, of oh, the book's yeah. critique as well. I just like seeing that, that inner monologue. I like seeing a version of that, like white woman, white liberal woman, inner monologue that doesn't actually end up mm-hmm. being cringe because the monologue is not as, as obnoxious as the behavior. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 It's not, I would have, voted for obama a third time she's just like oh you know i read that book too like it's, it's not the kind of thing that's yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah 
No, no. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. So we we know that like, oh, no, there's a new person here. Well, let's be concerned. And this does become particularly urgent because Bobby and her husband, Dave, have come back from like a, a couple's weekend. Yay. And Bobby is different. Um, <laughs> she's made up more and she has that flat affect. And tragically, one of my one of the funniest parts of this book she is wearing a compression girdle because it is it is unacceptable for robot mommy to have a big juicy bum. <laughs> and yeah. it's really funny that it's like I feel like Levine too was like, ain't nobody around here an ass man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love it. It's so fucked up. She's had this like Joanna has had one friend who's not who she can actually talk to. And now she doesn't know she's going to be friends with Ruthann. It's just like the potentiality of it is the only thing she's sort of clinging to. And after Bobby's Stepfordization, Joanna decides like, you know what? Fuck this. We're moving. I can't do it. I don't know what happened. This is nuts. So she goes back to the library and she finds piles of newspaper articles on the end of the women's group and the growth of the men's association, which was actually like a bunch of different men's associations sort of folded into each other. And then when she gets home, she finds that Walter has sent their kids to a friend's. And this is when we're like, danger, danger, danger. And by this point, she knows enough not to be alone with him. And first she tries to escape out a window and then she's able to escape out the front door. And it's Christmas. So it's like, it's covered in snow and it's this really scary scene where um, that no ass men are chasing her down and she's like i gotta get to ruthann's and i really hope her husband isn't there because i have to tell her about this because ruthann is like she's new here and we know at least she and joanna have like the something in common but she never gets there and confronts the no ass men when they catch up to her she tells them that she knows that they've been building ultra clean freak docile sex bots that are sort of like their wives only with bigger titties um and then they try to convince her like oh like we wouldn't do like you really think we must be such geniuses if we can build wife robots why would we do that um we love regular women and so they try they're like project they're like okay so here's how we're gonna convince her we're gonna get you know, one of the women to fucking open a vein and if Joanna sees it bleeding, she'll be like, surely that's a human woman. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. so, I mean, okay, nobody saw Battlestar Galactica here in this here novel. <laughs> also, did nobody see Alien? Yeah, well, well is it, yeah, if, if that's that's the if it's if it's the alien, if it's the Asha android, yeah. uh, that Bobby would just start uh, sp- like mi- like milk stuff would start. Just, that would like, be so pouring. funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so Joanna's like, "All right, fine. <laughs> if they are gonna bleed, yeah. If it bleeds, it leads." And um, <laughs> they take her to Bobby because we know that Bobby has been her friend, and and she's like, "You know, it'll be okay." She's she's holding like the world's biggest knife. And so we assume that she's going to cut her finger, but the chapter cuts out. 
So, okay. And like, I do, I do think the differences here with the movie are really important. And so in the movie, like a couple of things happen. One, Joanna stabs Bob, the Bobby robot, mm-hmm. and she doesn't bleed. Instead, she just starts going haywire and throwing like the creamer all over the kitchen and stuff. <laughs> and then like, there's a seed with, uh, with, uh, uh, Diz at the men's association house where he basically like confesses to Joanna. It's like, yes, these are all robots. And then like the, the boob dump. Uh, version of Joanna like the you know strangles her the fembot yes but in this that we ne- we never do get direct confirmation of the robot thing mm-hmm. um and I think there are a couple ways you could take that one like much like with Rosemary's baby where it's like yes yeah it, it really is the devil but actually it's like patriarchy right, right. I mean, you know and that's not like Cassie to Spurgeon's like oh like Joanna doesn't you know she she is just crazy or whatever no it's like it's that it's like you know it's hey it, the implication is that the yeah that the, the men have created these robots but it's like but what's actually happened is like like how suburbia like exact complicity and like (laughs) like patriarchy and class and all of this is 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 the real villain although like katie you make a really good point in in our notes about this also being like kind of satire on the tech bro dumb shit Mm -hmm. in that like no like let's go with the robot thing and when he's like well we wouldn't like if we could really do that do you think this is what we would do and the novel's like yep yes you are that fucking stupid like you know like that's what you would do so anyway i just think i think the like the ambiguity uh, does wonderful things in terms of like opening up like multiple uh, valences of the satire in those moments yes. in a way that the, yeah. the film shuts down a little bit, although not, you know, not that it makes it a bad film. It just, it operates differently. Well, and I love, but again, this is like the Rosemary's baby thing, which is like the, the turn of this it's, it's around the turn of the screw or like the frog in a pot. Right. So it's like, it gets, the tension gets turned up actually pretty carefully and so her observations of the world around her require that she question it. Yeah. And that, of course, she seems crazy to a certain, you know, other people, but like she's she's really not doing anything wacky at all. No, she's certainly not doing anything wacky. And it, it is the a funny thing is that this this happens after she's gone to the psychiatrist and gotten like. She, like, went to the pharmacy and got barred out immediately. Immediately, You know, she's like, that's, those are my Zans, so give me that. And start, and, like, and I think she, she, and the psychiatrist, like, you can take three, you know, like, so, presumably, there is that slippage between the medicated housewife thing. Oh, yeah. And, and and in Rosemary's Baby, it really works that it's, like, it's actually Satan with a capital S, Forktail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But this, there's other stuff to push on, and very explicitly, we're given alternatives, right? Well, and I think that's part of why I love it as much as I do is that it's it's just like, and it's also a bit of a mind fuck for a reader because you're kind of going like, what is the object of critique here until you get to the end? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's always like too if like set like set aside the ro- just like think okay the robot thing is is uh you know it's the novel device or whatever but the other claim emerging that like it's you moved to the su- this this fucking shitty like rich white you know very patriarchal suburb and within four months you're gonna lose all of your interests and everything but this like very com- like enervated like bougie existence you know yeah. like that's 
that's i mean that is like more horrified than like <laughs> this uh you know the, the 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 sex i mean the sex robots are plenty horrified but you know what i mean it's like that's like a oh shit like this structure is like it, like i mean structures are harder to defeat than sex robots <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh. so that it cuts out and then it we have this this part three and it's like five pages maybe fewer than that and um so we see the point of view shifts to Ruth Ann. And so she's been working on her her most recent book and and she sort of needs a change of scenery. So she goes to the grocery store and she sees Joanna, who of course we know will be, you know, made up and newly busty. And she has another quality that we know is uh, a Stepford wife quality, which is her shopping cart is very organized. And we can feel Ruth Ann's sense of, I I think it's the uncanny, right? Which is like the the robot as a figure is like where the uncanny comes yeah. from in Freud. Mm-hmm. That's the it's it's the the robot woman from the Sandman. So it's actually a really interesting sort of Freudian uncanny in a in a quite technical way. And then she goes home and she's kind of a vaguely like dissatisfied with the the work the art she's been doing which is interesting too and then you know she knows she has to sort of knuckle down so in the last pages we see her ask her you know otherwise we think kind of blandly sweet husband royal if if he'll take the kids out for her and he agrees and he says i don't mind and we we get a a little tingle up the spine i would say it it gets tingly at the end the film ends with that famous shopping, uh, like um, grocery store yeah. scene, right? Where all of the all of the robot wives are like, you know, greeting each other in these extremely placid terms. Um, again, it's like I don't, I don't. Uh, I was, yeah, I was talking with my wife about like uh, whether this last scene's ambiguous, and uh, I mean, she she didn't. I agree with her. Like, it's not really ambiguous um, in that it's you see the same thing repeating itself, but it is a little. I don't know. It well, it takes the action back a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. It like it doesn't end with like that they're all in this this uh this grocery store. They've all been like changed. It's more like you see the process beginning again, which right. again, I don't know. It's 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 just a, a, another interesting like stylistic difference between the two objects. Yeah, I mean, I don't I think that it moving into Ruthann's point of view is is so good and also like that you're that that's its version of jouissance that we don't get we don't get the sort of finality that we get in the movie where it's like Diz saying, yeah. you know, I have done it. it Satan is his father, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not right, guy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So for context, uh, I'm actually just going to talk about contemporaneous reviews because I love doing that. Um, <laughs> also because like I love his works. Ira Levine was not a particularly <laughs> like for an author. He has a very drama free life. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's fucked yeah, up yeah that's yeah no right both both of them it's like wait but no i like part of the like writer's social contract is you have to be an either uh like madman uh just uh just completely drugged out uh <laughs> like drug and it's like what you were you're you're like normal like what the fuck you know <laughs> no they like <laughs> horror writers seem to you uniquely well adjusted which <laughs> maybe all of the messiness happens on the page is what's I'm just saying you know? the other so like this is a weird digression but i swear to god it's relevant a friend of our family used to work for terry gross actually for the, the thing um <laughs> so he he met a number of famous people in doing that job and he said 
that the nicest person he ever met doing that job was Vincent Price. Oh, that's really funny. And I absolutely believe it. And I think that's another one of those, like, that makes perfect sense to me, honestly. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so Ira Levine seems to have been, like, a cool and remarkably normal dude. So reviews-wise... In, so this is the the full review from The Atlantic, which at that point in history was not yet a publication exclusively for neocons to cry into their cornflakes. Um, and so their critic, Phoebe Adams, writes, this is the whole review. The author of Rosemary's Baby has plotted himself into a corner from which he can escape only by the classic gothic cop-out. He causes a reasonably bright, justifiably wary heroine to rush into the precise area from which she would flee as from a roaring lion. <laughs> Boo. What is she talking about? She'd get, did she slip into Joanna's Xanax? Yeah. 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 Apparently. Yeah. Oh God. This, this is, a, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like my Mises is like endorsement kind of shit. Oh, like, all of these reviews are going to say exactly like, the same thing. Oh my God. Yeah, um, okay. In Library Journal, Michael Rogers says, it's hard to tell if this is a stab at the feminist movement or simply a male fantasy. No. Neither. That's not, <gasps> hard, to, that's not hard to tell at all. Uh, <laughs> if you're uh, dumb. Yeah. But it's a fun read and will keep you turning the pages. Note also that a new feature film based on the story is in the works. Well, howdy. Like, I, how, I, how are you that dumb? I don't you're only going to get dumber. <laughs> like, I swear to God. Martin (laughs) Levine from the New York Times Book Review says, readers should remember that Ira Levine is the dramatist of No Time for Sergeants, as well as the author of Rosemary's Baby. There is a broad current of humor beneath the horrific surface of this little ambush of women's lib, life, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't don't know what the fuck book these idiots Um, read. um, They are incapable of doing even the most... What is veiled here? Like, how can you read this book and be like, this is anti-feminist? They want, they're they're making robot women. The women are, the wives are robots. They're turning them into literal robots. That are fleshlight, cleaning, housefrau, titty, titty monsters. And the men are all... (laughs) The manner, yes, I mean the manner all. I mean beyond that, uh, the men are all like just fucking sad, like losers, and you know they're white collar tech bro incels who just want their wives to have bigger boobies. Like so, the the only way that these idiots would have gotten the quote unquote message of the not is if fucking Joanna went like turned into fucking uh, yeah, just just action hero standing on top of the, like ruins of Stepford. Like, I, like how do you think? I mean, these people would read a gothic novel from like the late 18th century and be like, ah, so what this is saying is that Catholic patriarchs in Europe are cool. Yes. I read Northanger <laughs> Abbey and I was like, that lady sure is a dum dum. <laughs> Yeah. Why didn't you run away from the creepy castle? (laughs) This is what I mean. Like, uh, I'm going to do one more, though. An ambush? Oh, please. Okay, do it, please. Okay. So, this is from the Saturday Review. For a while, it seems as though Mr. Levine has written a tract for Ms., as in Ms. Magazine. The most serious shortcoming is lack of density or complexity. 
Levine doesn't probe his plot or explore his conceit, robot women, with the fullness of, say, Bill Blatty's ingenuity in The Exorcist. The book is written with a grade school vocabulary, a high school version of syntax. You mean good? It's easy to understand? Yeah. Um, and a best-selling uh, yeah. author's understanding of what mass audiences want. Since when do mass audiences want acid commentary on incels? <laughs> or acid commentary on the suburbs where they're consuming the, yep. the mass media. You know, yeah, like, I'm not. Okay. Uh, and then he finishes... Uh, Levine's characters do not change or grow. That's on- the only thing that literally happens in this book. They change. That's the whole point. <laughs> His forte is yeah. wild ideas. He thinks of a situation. The situation requires bizarre means. The means produce a crisis event. So goes the novel. Motherfucker. This is how, this is how a, a robot from <laughs> outer space would read a novel. Yeah. 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 With yeah. no, again, I don't think. I would never say, like, this is a pretty subtle satire. <laughs> no. It's, no. No. I mean, it's, it, 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 which is not a knock on it to say that it's an obvious satire. And I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's, there are, I, I think there are a lot of contours to the political critique that you can. Yes, I agree. You know, like, yeah, like, I mean, some of the things like. Like how does how does like whiteness operate as part of this? How does like you know what like class and gender together? But like the idea that this is a quote knock on the women's lib movement, it's just like I'm sorry, you are too stupid to be allowed in you public. You should not be allowed to <laughs> you know, write like- <laughs> anything. You should not be allowed to leave your apartment. I mean, and there are moments you're uh, totally right, Tristan. Like the critique of white supremacy is more subtle. The the questions about like how to recontour the body isn't isn't like yeah super super transparently rendered i think this time i don't think i had noticed until this reading that the questions about environmental destruction are really even here but they are yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so right so there so there is depth to it but that the central premise is that wouldn't it be cool if your wife was a robot with big boobs? And it's that like, Levine I mean, thinks you, that. Like, Thought like, experiment. Like, you, like, I'm sorry you're an illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's like, – <laughs> maybe you can make out what the words say, but you certainly don't have much of a grasp beyond well, that. Well, shouldn't yeah, that but. make it like a funnier and more interesting satire for it to be super readable and then you get done with it and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I also I want to know I'm I'm googling like what did the original covers look like? Oh, I don't know. I'm looking at one on Wikipedia right now, and what it is is just nine women, nine women's faces, like no no bodies. Oh, against a white background, and all of the and they have different hair and everything. Like so, I guess they have different Barbie accessories. Yeah, like the, but whoever did the cover also didn't give you the. I thought it was going to be one of those. Co- you know what I mean? Like, I I just want to say, okay, so like we, I think we should conclude that this is a book that has encountered an awful lot of bad readers, and that the cultural term that should have emerged is not Stepford Wife to refer to like robotic housefrau, but and again, like stealing this from Amanda Davis. What we should use as an expression is Stepford Husband to refer to mm-hmm. misogynistic tech bros with a libertarian fondness for environmental destruction and the accumulation of wealth. 
Yep. I, excellent. <laughs> that is right. A, like we should that, be using that, the that expression Stepford Husbands because yeah. there's seemingly like nothing particularly yeah. wrong with these wives. No, not until no. they're robots. They should make them live in the metaverse. They should make the husbands <laughs> yeah. go there. They yeah. might be happy there too. You know, like what? Is, like <laughs> yeah. where? Where is the talk well, not, of that? Not, like satire? Yeah, not like cool, nice nerds either. Like extremely self-satisfied and uh, entitled yes. nerds. And I know I just just like that. You know, like uh, well, tech, tech bros of the twenty twenties. I was uh, I forget who it was. Pro- I don't know if it was Elon Musk or Peter Thiel made me mad recently. I mean, they always do. But I was like, okay, let's let's review Silicon Valley's most famous contributions to uh, culture uh, or you know the way we live of the last decade. And it's like, okay, a a uh, short term rental app that is destroying urban housing yep. markets. Um, fake money that is a tri- multi-trillion dollar Ponzi <laughs> scheme. Uh, a rideshare app that uh, has produced an army of underpaid and unregulated drivers. And uh, apps that let you get, uh, you know, soggy pizza for $40 yeah. <laughs> at any time. Like, it's like, great. Really? Yeah, there's the, what, what did they call that back in the, the California ideology, yes. right, of the, of the Obama year, the like, tech, tech utopianism. It's like, yeah. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, somehow so, figuring anyway. out a legal way way around minimum wage requirements yeah exactly exactly so so i mean uh that that doesn't get to the misogyny aspect of what uh levine is taking on but as far as tech bros being shitheads and useless um he he nailed that 50 years ago so that's great you know i mean and and like Uh, i don't i don't whatever it is a very specific version of nerd that he's making fun of and i think that we should really bring that into our idiolect and Ahab, all husbands are best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because we brought it up earlier, and I think we wanted to sort of work through it in more detail. Like, to what degree is it? How is it significant that Ruthann and Royal are a black family? They move in at the at the end of the novel. That certainly Joanna and Walter are quite normative, except that her her pursuit is an artistic one. That these are questions about. Bourgeois liberalism that are raised here in a slightly more complicated way than I think we might have seen them on a first read. Although yeah. it turns out that our first read yeah. is already four thousand times smarter than any critic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that we see much more of Ruth Ann, but the bit that we get of Royal is interesting mm-hmm. because presumably he's about to be inducted into something that is mm-hmm. like for his enjoyment or something, you know? Right. But he's he's not re- he's he's just he's less fully realized than Walter who's not fully realized at all. And so I wonder cuz it's not it's not saying that th- th- that this is sort of um like this can happen to anyone in the, and that the suburbs are colorblind but sexist. It's right. it's yeah. like what I thought a little bit about was Joanna in the in the final scene she has is asking as sort of I think it's asking or uh, suggesting that there's a grander plan and mm-hmm. and this kind of way of expanding the market I guess for like robot wives you know oh. what I mean yeah. 
Yeah. That you could make a black robot wife, then you could make all the robot wives. Yeah, like same as a Barbie, right? Like you, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And the and the yeah and the the but like the 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 market yeah the marketability of this kind of like bourgeois fantasy uh, like bourgeois like sexist fantasy that's interesting that yeah that's really interesting I and I hadn't I, I had been thinking about it slightly different although that that makes a lot of sense which is just that the the like I certainly don't think that the claim here is class reductionist um, and I also don't think it's like getting what you were saying that basically like well patriarchy is like the only oppressive force right that, that, that like it trumps racism and and everything like that I. I I think it is more like the way I was thinking of it was that it's more something like this hegemonics, this set of hegemonic structures, which are, you know, patriarchy and capital and, and whiteness, but like is, you know, part of how it like works is figuring out like what it can, like basically the face it has to put on for the world, like what it can, what it can accommodate. Mm -hmm. And I I think it is, it's important that it is one black family that has moved into Stepford. Right, like as it's, it is you know, one it, Jewish a, family, right? Yeah. Like it cannot be yes, more than one. Yes. That's right. There's there's a Jewish family. There's a black family among a sea of like white assholes, yeah. right? You know, like white white like waspy white assholes, right? Yeah, but but that but right. So anyway, so I, I think it, I, that's how I was thinking of it. But but I also do think like back to like sort of like ca- like capitalist uh, marketing and its fantasies. I, I do think there's something to that as well. Like figuring out like okay, like does this you know can we can we broaden our market here or something like that. Oh man, I hadn't thought about that. I think for me, it had been like, I had been trying to nice up the version of not necessarily that like, it's just sexist and misogyny, like papers over all the other uh, vectors of inequality so much as that it is like, any husband is a villain in waiting, and that his villainy is Mm -hmm. about class. It's about class, like, cementing class position right to turn your wife into a robot means she'll never do anything that might challenge the bourgeois family structure in a in a in an economic sense right so it's like royal who we barely know we know him from like one line like walter like dave is just a husband in training to make his wife into a robot yeah. There's no exception, right? Yeah. There's no because we think there are. We think there's like I love him because he is I don't mean I love we barely know him as a character, but he's a professor he's a sociology professor that was like fucking burn, yeah. Ira <laughs> Lupine, by the way. Um <laughs> and and of course that, you know, gives the 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 network of of scary men yet another expert, right? Which is like how to yeah. make how to make these women behave in an even more a socially acceptable way because all the men have these different jobs that make them good at like robotification and mm-hmm. so i just think of it as like all husbands yes all of them yeah. even the ones with goodwill yeah 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 it seems sort of like especially those who seem to to have goodwill because they're the ones who are controlling themselves in a in a way that's like okay so what i'm trying to say is that it seems like what's going on with the husbands is something is unleashed and then correspondingly something is repressed in in the wife and she has to become a robot because of it so like there are two there are two processes of creation going on 
One is about unleashing something in a husband who's maybe pushing something down. Like who can mm, who yeah, can totally. have who can have one of these jobs that requires you to like wear a funny suit and um and and, and do like a lot of robot shit, you know? Right. So the distance between what what happens to the husbands and happens to the wives is actually not weirdly not that far apart. No, I mean I think that the 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 this this the structure like incorporates everyone exact sort of complicity from everyone, right? Like I mean yeah. yeah, I mean I agree with that. I just think that there's like that there's some agency afforded to the men. Like they could decide not to do this. Yeah. They could like move when it uh, it seems that every woman is like we got to fucking move that they all are just that it totally is structural but yeah. that they all are just villains barely, barely under the surface yeah when they yeah. get to get like when they get together the same thing happens right. they are totally i i'm i'm agreeing i agree with you 100 million yeah. percent it's it is like something mysterious also happens to them though in this world of men alone in this house. Total okay, I get that yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That it is some it's the boys clubness of it that makes them into that. And that does somehow yeah. fundamentally tra- transform them because this idea yes. of what's presented is is in fact in practice like not appealing. Yeah. Right. No, not at all. But uh, well, and it's they're also like kind of becoming, be, like becoming ideology, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like there's that one line where I think Walter says that he moved here. He's like, we wanted good schools and low yeah. taxes, right? You know, and and, and I, th- I, which I think is true, but totally. then like, okay, but like, what? Where does that? Where does that lead? Well, it leads to a bunch of like hierarchical, fucked up bullshit, and so like, and so that basically like Walter's becoming and like getting the the, the men's club like draws out of him what was already yeah. latent in his own. That's, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, his, yeah. Yeah. But that yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. is um, not vulnerable to it, right? It's not if you're like a bourgeois yeah. liberal man, um yes. nerd, you have to be a nerd. You are set up for this if you are just pushed in the right direction by your boys club. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Cuz they do you're and, super right. super right. They do all have to be together in the like cult I don't know, like fucking stone cutters or whatever they are. And and Walter has to call his friends when when he's trying to trap Joanna and make her a rope. He's like, I can't handle her alone. Right. Because we know that she's yeah. too, like, yeah. whatever it is, physically imposing, certainly too bright. You know, she's like, she's certainly no dummy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But neither is Bobby. Neither is Ruthann. Like, we have no – these women are quite – the funny thing about them is they have this brain power, but they yet seem – gullible <laughs> yeah or trusting well, they, or mean, or but then you're like well why wouldn't you trust your husband yeah well yeah and which i again i mean i think that's the that that is another um aspect of the real like you know horror horror not not necessarily like satire horror aspect of it but i mean you know there because i don't know it's like the the, fa- the like fantasy of like rid you know like the f- suburban fantasy did you know it does not only like target the male perspective i mean a hell of a lot of this shit is you know target is 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 typed as uh as as, as targeting women as well you know so yeah. like yeah. you know yeah like good schools low taxes i mean i'm sure that sounds <laughs> attractive to uh to a lot of them who aren't just the husbands right. but like the, the husbands get sort of like yeah like made into this in in um you know much more 
oppressive kinds of ways. Right, because yeah. that's the structural position that then they have to the in the the institutional enforcement requires them to take. So even though I say like, oh, yeah. there's a degree of yeah. agency, it's like, well, they don't really have a choice, like in the sense of what position yeah. they have to live in. Well, and agency or no agency, I mean, it's still the the, the likelihood of getting uh, drawn into that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I, I, they you all don't, you don't have to take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't have to take a position that like it would be impossible for any individual man to be like, well, this is fucked up. I'm not going to make a sex robot, <laughs> but like that that they just that they not so like effortlessly wife. are drawn into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> play a game. Let's play a game. Okay, so we are gonna do a classic fuck Mary kill. We're doing fuck Mary kill, but all uh, sex dolls. Robots. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> okay. And and you and you should know. Are you just supposed to fuck them all? Like, isn't that what they're for? Well, I mean, wait till you hear about some of these because you might want to marry okay. one or two. I just want you to know they range in price from thirty six ninety nine to seven thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah. Okay. So. Here we go. This is uh, you're, are we are we talking about the actual like uh, extremely uh, real dolls? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, the the very very expensive sex dolls that actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I just uh I I'd like to introduce you to our first uh batch of 3 here. The uh our first our first uh contestant is named Harmony. Oh, Harmony. <laughs> Not you know it doesn't get more realistic. Um I'm re- I'm reading from an an article that I will I'll send you this is I'll send you the citation. Um, but if you're looking for realistic, it doesn't get much more realistic than this best-selling doll from Real Doll X. Integrated with AI, Harmony has the ability to move her head, neck, and face, as well as blink and speak to you in different voices and personalities depending on what Jesus you like. Christ. Although her body isn't animatronic, you can bend it into unthinkable positions and you can most <gasps> certainly have sex with her. Unthinkable positions? Uh. Nope. Unthinkable positions. Okay. Okay, wait until you hear. Okay, so keep in mind, Harmony, as we talk about Anastasia, who is a life-size doll. She has C-cup bosoms. She's a sexy blonde ski instructor. Um, <laughs> Anastasia is a Russian woman standing five, she is. <laughs> five feet, five inches mm-hmm. tall, complete with TPE skin, which I have no idea what it is, and a steel skeleton keeping her upright. She's one of the cheapest sex dolls you can buy, though her perky boobs and three orifices suggest otherwise. <laughs> they, they, they imply that Christ. she's expensive for having three of them? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this one's too racist, so I'm going to skip it. <laughs> Can you give us any? Of hits? course, of course it is. Oh, um, I mean, it's 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 not. It's a, is it okay. Asian fetishism? It's um, it's actually it's a a Persian sex doll, presumably inspired by the princess in Aladdin. Ah, okay. Oh my god. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, her small boobs and vintage hairstyle are sure to be a turn on for many, and she comes with a backstory about being a concubine in a harem. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, and they make a whole new world. Uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. That's um, yeah. I I think I it's a damn shame Edward Said's dead because I think we need a new chapter in Orientalism. Just yeah, I think thing, so too you know? on this thing. Yeah, I mean, since uh, since we've introduced her, um, we might have to just kill her so she's off the market. But yeah, for real. Yeah. All right. So, which who are you marrying? Oh God. Uh, I yeah. I guess the oh, man. First one. 
that has that has she can move her neck, head, and face, and has multiple personalities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, She's yeah, a yeah. manic pixie dream sex robot. I like it. Uh, yeah. I d- oh god. Yeah, this Do is I- so. This is difficult. <laughs> I didn't realize how hard this is. the rule. The rules. Of, I guess the rules of the game. You know, I I must. But I think I'm with. I, I like all of them are so deeply creepy. Yeah. I, but I there. I mean, the racism of the last one, and also just yeah, we the, have to the, kill her the, just the, for not having her and more of her in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess I gotta marry the first one too. I just, I, I mean, I like, I, I feel weird saying it's the least creepy, but I feel that that is like true somehow. Yeah. You yeah. know? Like, Can I ask a uh, question that I wish I had never thought of, and really is gonna mark what a terrible person I am? <laughs> oh please yeah yeah what um are there receptacle parts to the orifices and can you remove them for cleaning um okay i don't know if you can remove them for cleaning but i do know some of them not these um but we'll tell you the dimensions of the the orifices that's uh, great yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You can see why yeah. I would ask that question. Yeah. 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 Yo. Yo. No. Yeah. I mean, it's a uh, we're someone to entertain purchasing one of these extremely expensive sex robots. It's uh, just a hy- hygienic question. That's all I mean. Uh, is that? <laughs> you, uh, it, sorry, I did. I. I. I yeah. only want to know for like. Yeah. Why? Why do I want to know? You know what I guess you'd have to get is one of those yeah. like water bottle brushes. Ew! No! <laughs> Take the whole thing out and put it in your dish. Ew! <laughs> I don't know. Just clean a- it though. That's all I'm asking. Just clean with no. soap and water. Clean <laughs> with soap and water, people. <laughs> is that so awful a thing? I don't think it is. I don't think. I don't think so either. I mean, you're just. We have decided to fuck many orifices lady with the fur hat on yeah we got it you know that's i just want to know details sure. <laughs> with a steel skeleton she's some she's some kind of like cold war like x-men villain right you know she weighs 150 <laughs> pounds yep <laughs> with an indestructible skeleton and three three orifices yeah, yeah. with this with uh, this yeah mm-hmm. if you only want two something with two orifices i can offer you something there um, well, I, for <laughs> for the sake of pure curiosity, oh, um, I'm interested. I don't want to know which one they cut out. I'm gonna imagine. Let let my imagination figure that one out. Uh, it well, okay. So it's it's um, imagine this. It's just a torso. Oh my god. Um, both yeah, orifices yeah. are five inches deep. Okay, well that's that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I I'm there's all there are also um I've I've had to read the word gay torso sex doll. Oh my god. So um I, does gay yeah. mean like a man a quote man designed for men? Yes. So no under no circumstances is any woman perceived to be the audience for this. No, this is this is someone in a boyish twink style. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're into younger guys, Nick 2.0 is a great product and a breath of fresh air from the usual range of hunky, daddy esque men's sex dolls. (laughs) 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 
Rob. There's Let one me. that's um six thousand five hundred dollars and is a Rob Lowe doppelganger with different penis styles available. <laughs> so you can like switch it out Dad. depending on the D you want. Yeah, the style D. Yeah. Let me be an uh, an Atlantic uh, reviewer of this episode, <laughs> right? And be and be like, uh, unfortunately, the show went off the rails. Where it wholeheartedly endorsed the uh, sex robots yeah. available from real dolls, you know, and, a uh, full throated endorsement. Oh, I can't oh. believe I just said that one. Yeah. God, <laughs> just I feel though so uh, disgusting after this conversation. Yeah, that was, I mean, you know, this is funny, entertaining, uh, but uh, maybe the grossest one that we've done. And we have so many gross ones, but also I think that, like, we've just demonstrated that having a sex bot is a terrible notion. Just awful. I mean, really doing the, there's some research that's getting left on the table here, but it was, um, (laughs) it was really, uh, really something. I just find it interesting that nobody was like, what are the biggest titties I can buy? Yeah, I was I was wondering it's oh, like yeah. if the if if you have to if you if it's like an extra like five hundred dollars per cup size or something <laughs> like that. There there is there no, truly there is one that's um that's twenty one hundred dollars with H cup boobs. This quote thick sex doll is perfect for guys who like big butts and they cannot lie. Her H cup breasts and extreme hourglass figure are sublime. She's thick and juicy for so your that's pleasure. That's not what they want in Stepford. No, they just want yeah. big boobies. Um, there's one that that's why she, that's why she's on sale. <laughs> oh, good point. That's why she's on dis- on discount. You know, they. Uh, yeah. uh, there is one that's actually a a rope, basically a robot. Um, and and the author of this article suggests you might enjoy her replicant. <gasps> <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. This is our AI future, folks. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Seriously. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> At least Elon Musk can't do anything, right? So, like, I don't think this will actually come to market yeah. from him. Yeah, there's not going to be any orifice. Yeah, if, if Elon Musk was making them, it would uh, catch on fire. It would, it would fly 50 feet. Yeah, it would fly 50 feet in the air, burst into flames, and, like, take out Houston or something like that. You know? <laughs> Which would be. It would, it would crash into the. It would crash into the space station and kill all the astronauts and also take out all of our communication satellites. <laughs> Absolutely. It would be much more like the fembots of Austin Powers. Yes. 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 Yeah, Only yeah, with yeah, a bigger, yeah. you know, mushroom cloud. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I wish yeah. someone would take out yeah. all of our communication satellites after just truly. Well, well, Elon's working on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> Couldn't send Pete Davidson to space. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this has been better than dead. You enjoyed yourself, right? It's great. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Tussersaurus and Tristan at TJ Schweiger and Katie at Katie Crywo. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Red Pod and email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com. But only if you have a story of someone else's terrible interpretation of this novel you know if you talk to your aunt about it and they said i can't i can't read that book it's too sexist or (laughs) something else of that did you read the book our intro music is left bronstein by the redskins and used with their permission our logo was created by jane bonsack of jb design and content 
Remember to rate and review and subscribe and send us a picture so we can send you some buttons. And next up, we have Stephen King's The Body with The Monk on deck after that. So thank you, comrades. Mm-hmm.